Hello, and welcome to The Promise of Discovery, a podcast where members and investigators at the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center talk about their research in intellectual and developmental disabilities. Good morning, my name is Bradley Minotti, and I'm here with Dr. Anjali Forer-Pratt, an assistant professor at the Department of Human and Organizational Development and an investigator at the Kennedy Center at Vanderbilt University. How are you doing today, Anjali? Doing all right. And so today we're going to talk about disability identity, but before that, I just wanna know a little bit more about you and how you became involved in your work. Sounds good. Um, so let's see, I have been at Vanderbilt now for about five years. Um, and I um, have grown up with my disability for as long as I can remember. Um, so I use a wheelchair because of transverse myelitis and I got sick when I was just, a, when I was a baby. So I was only four and a half months old. Uh, so for me, using a wheelchair is pretty much all that I can, I can remember. Um, and then I also have a really cute service dog who um, is not on camera with us here today. Um, but uh, his name is Colton and he also helps me quite a bit in my everyday life. And so for me, it's been, um, you know, been, been quite a journey growing up with my disability and then also um, moving, moving on into into kind of professor life and working with students and um, and all of that, which is which has been really um, really I think a foundational piece as to why I study um, study disability identity and why I do this this type of work. That's great. So can you tell us a little bit more about the research you're doing and um, how you came up with the studies that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, for me, we, we, we're, we look at disability identity, um, which, which is really how is it that people think and feel about their disability over the course of their life. And at a fundamental level, identity is about answering questions of who am I? And disability identity takes it really one step further to say, how much is my disability a part of who I am or not? What does my disability mean to me and how and how, how I interact with the world around me. Um, and so, so using that kind of as, as the framing, um, we've been really interested looking at how adults um, um, adjust to disability or claim this disability identity um, in, in their lives. So we started off with some um, doing some interviews with adults. And, um, and then we, we used a lot of that information to actually try to develop a survey to a, a survey tool to really measure and to, um, to, to understand what those critical components of disability identity are. Um, so we're still in the process of finalizing all of, all of those different pieces. Um, and then we also have been interested in, in how is it that young people um, think about their disability identity. Um, so we, we did some interviews with middle schoolers and high schoolers thinking about, um, about their disability identity um, and what, that, what their disability means to them. So that's kind of the, <laughs> kind of the, the big gamut of, of all the work that, we, that we're currently doing. That's really great. And so what are some of the things that the participants have told you, like some of the themes you've heard when talking to all these people about their thoughts about identity? 
Yeah. So first of all, I think it's really important to to also note that that we try to be as inclusive as we possibly can be in how it is that we define disability. So the bottom line in in our work is if you think you have a disability, then yes, we are very interested in in those individuals being a part of our study. So that includes individuals with visible or more apparent disabilities like myself using a wheelchair, for example, um, but it also includes non-visible or less apparent disabilities. So things like chronic illness, learning disabilities, mental health, all of those aspects to me falls under, under this, this umbrella as well. Um, so that said, some of the things that, we're, that we hear from participants um, is, is that, that, first of all, that disability culture and community matters. So, so, so that connection and relationship with the broader disability community is really, mm -hmm. is showing up as being, as, as being a, a critical, important part. For many, for many individuals, um, it, it's, it's through that connection with disability organizations and the disability community where many, many individuals sort of start to figure out what that disability means for them because um, many people don't have another person with a disability in their immediate family. Some do, but, but more commonly, um, it, it's kind of like that person in, in their family. And, and in some cases, I mean, I know for myself, I was one of just a few people with a disability in my school system kind of all growing up so for me it was it was as I got involved in disability sport as I got involved um, with disability related organizations was when I actually met other um, other people with disabilities and sort of started to figure all that out yeah that's super cool and I think for myself as a person with a disability too a lot of that was when I got to college and I met a lot of other people with disabilities at the disability dorm that I live in mm -hmm. and I think that for a lot of parents and families they might not know where to look to find disability community settings so what are some of those areas or some of those resources that people could look at to find community yeah yeah I think that's a great question and I think that that you know we're fortunate um, here um, specifically in Tennessee we've got the, the Tennessee Disability Pathfinder which is like one mechanism to, to really point individuals with disabilities and their families to disability related organizations and it's a really cool website organized by topic and, and things like that um, I think that there's other there's other um, you know places to look which is which is every state usually has what's what's called a Center for Independent Living um, and sometimes it falls under a different name, um, um, but they, but they also often can, uh, are the clearinghouse, if you will, of the disability-related organizations in a given state. Um, so sometimes, as I shared, sometimes it might be um, disability sport-related. So there's an organization called Move United, which has different chapters around the United States um, for individuals with disabilities as well as family members to participate in all different types of adaptive sports, um, whether that's you know, going out downhill skiing with, as a family or whether it's mm -hmm. learning to play tennis for the first time or or whatever that whatever that might be um, which is which is an, another way of sort of, of connect of, of making those connections um, so those are just some off the top of my head yeah that's super great and so what are some of the other um, things that you found for participants besides the community aspect 
Yeah, so the, the one of the other really interesting pieces is that this, this sense of engagement or the sense of wanting to give back to this broader disability community is also, is also sh showing up as being important. It's also important to, to note that, that, that what that engagement looks like varies greatly from individual to individual, which we, which we would expect. Um, so for some people, that you being be like going out in public and telling your story or or um for some people it's being being involved with different disability committees or um or fundraising for a specific cause like maybe for your specific disability um for others it's it's participating in um social media and and participating in disability rights spaces um on in in online spaces and so it really can vary um for you know based on based on the individual um, the other, and, and, and the other really, I think, important piece, too, is that there, there is this, um, there's a sense of, of, of uh, community and bond, if you will, or connection um, that individuals with disabilities feel to other people with disabilities. And, and we're, we still don't know enough as to whether, whether, um, whether it's more like um, with somebody who shares that same disability that, that a person has, or whether it's like disability in general, that's one of the areas that we're that we're hoping to to learn more about. So, so for that, like what I mean by that is, so for me, using using a manual wheelchair, if I'm strolling down the street and I happen to see a person who's blind, for example, do I feel a connection to them, um, or would I feel a stronger connection if I was strolling down the street and I saw another person in a wheelchair? Um, you know, a, a, another example, you know, if I'm, if I'm a person with an, with intellectual disability and I see another person with, with intellectual disability is, is, is it, is it something about that shared disability that, that makes that connection stronger or is it any disability of like, Hey, yeah, they're one of me. Like, you know, like, like, yeah. like what does that, what does that look like? And, and so that's one of the exciting areas I think of, of, uh, where we need more research and, and more work to really tease that apart. So I feel like we're on the cusp of something where we know that that connection piece is important, but we, but we haven't yet sort of um, unpeeled all those layers to, to really understand um, uh, what that means yet. That's really cool. And uh, just another question, like, have you done any work related to um, people with disabilities that also might have other marginalized identities. So if someone has a disability and they're a person of color, for example, how that might affect their sense of identity or how they might mix or things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, so it's a great question. And yeah, so in a lot of in a lot of the studies that, that we've done, we've we've tried to intentionally have individuals who who um, might also identify with, within the LGBTQ community who might also be racial minorities and so forth. One of the really interesting things and in, in my story as well, it's it's always really interesting because when I encounter discrimination, I never truly know, like, is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a person of color? Is it because of my disability? And we hear a very similar, uh, something very similar from, from the individuals that we've, that we've done these interviews with, where, where very similarly, it's like, hey, it's really hard to tease apart these different aspects of my identity because like, I'm just me, like I'm all, I'm the melting pot of all of these mm -hmm. things. 
things, whatever those identities are. Um, and so that's been really, really interesting to hear where I also think that, that we, where we do see and hear very, very different uh, fundamental differences is how an individual experiences ableism and the fact that that does seem to differ based on other marginalized identities that a person may have. So for example, um, you know, if you if if you you are a person with a disability who is also a racial minority, things of uh, things like accessing accessing healthcare and the assumptions that are made about you because of that 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 intersection of those identities, how that ableism is perpetuated um can can look really different for for people with with those multiple intersecting identities so so again it's a really important area one that we definitely need a lot more a lot more work um a lot more work on but but we're trying to capture those stories the best that we can and that's great and hearing you say that it made me think about how do you think studying disability identity will inform these other areas such as preventing discrimination against people with disabilities and improving their quality of life in general? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think, first of all, I've got a few grants in the works, uh, so stay tuned on that to look specifically <laughs> at some of that. So the role of disability identity on other other outcomes such as quality of life, self-determination, you know, things things of that of that nature. Um, I think that, that they're at a fundamental level there's the there's the potential to really inform clinical and rehabilitation psychologists protocols even um, or even school psychologists like if a student is newly diagnosed or gets a new label of something um, to ensure that they're getting the the psychological and psychosocial supports too meaning are we talking about disability identity and helping individuals um, you know process that piece of their identity um, or is or it, versus where I think we are currently which is like oh yeah you know we're gonna slap you with this with this label and like good luck in the world like see you later and and we don't I don't know that we necessarily are are being intentional about say when a person experiences ableism are we are we talking about like well, well how does that make you feel as a disabled person like how does that um, how are you you know finding finding potentially communities of support as you're processing that ableism um, we you know I believe that that if a person has a strong sense of disability identity I believe that that can serve as a buffer or as a support when encountering issues of, of ableism or, or other isms because it give in in theory it gives you that sense of community that sense of pride that that, that sense of of hey I'm not I'm not alone as I'm encountering this this you know inaccessible thing whatever that might be um, and so that that's my hope is that is that the, is that they can inform form each other and and uh, be helpful and I know you mentioned it briefly but for parents and families who they think disability identity is really cool but they don't know exactly how to like foster that um, what are some of the um, suggestions and ideas that you have from the beginnings of your research about you yeah so I think you know first and foremost it's Starting, it's having a conversation about, you know, about a person's disability. Like, first of all, disability identity is very much an ongoing process. So, so a person might experience some of these different statuses in terms of, in terms of acceptance and, and relationship building and, and adopting these values of the community and engaging with the community throughout their life, sometimes maybe all at the same time, um, 
you know? Um, and so for families, I think being able to have an intentional conversation with, with your child or with, or as a family unit with your, with your partner or spouse or whatever, um, about how, how it is you're thinking about your disability and, and how much it's a part of who you are for, for kids. Um, I have an activity that, that, and, and actually, you know, for, I've done it with adults too, where it's a, there's, it's just a cert, a big circle on a page and, and the word me is written in the center and this conversation starter is is mark where you would put uh your disability like is is your disability on the inside of the circle is it on the line of the circle is it outside the circle like for, like and, and again that might change in a given day it might change um you know year to year and so forth but that it can be a conversation starter of how much are you thinking about that disability on a day-to-day -day basis um and and again it just sort of serves as a as a conversation starter and to to be able to engage in in meaningful dialogue about this yeah that's really cool and so when you're talking to your child or someone else about disability identity um where do you recommend that they start with that because if the child experiences something in school where they feel like they're treated differently because of they're disabled where do you suggest that they get resources for those things um so first and foremost i think uh you know i hope that people will reach out to me as well um so anjali fp on twitter and 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 all the social media things um i think the kennedy center also has has you know my email address and things like that that, that are out there um i think that that um that we've really tried to put together a lot of resources as well as you know digesting not only the research but some of the more practical activities that that we were just talking about as well um and i think that that it, part of it is is just connecting to disability organizations and people with disabilities in your community i know for me growing up that was such a huge component which was you know meeting other adults who actually had my disability and and realizing that that they could be a source of support and a, and and a resource for my parents too in terms of how to navigate things like when when you're experiencing discrimination knowing what disability organizations are um what their role is in helping to helping to combat some of that discrimination and and how to how to bring about meaningful change yeah, I think that's super great because a lot of times uh, families often think they have to do this alone, but there are a lot of other supports that they can reach out to um, mm -hmm. to find these resources. And moving on to a more bit of a broader lens here, what do you think are some policy implications for your disability identity research? Yeah, so at a fundamental level, the disability rights movement has really been built on this mantra, mantra of nothing about us without us. And I believe that disability identity work is, is one way of centering those voices and one way of sort of complementing that, that entire movement. Um, but I also think that there could be implications for policies down the line um, to inform clinical and rehabilitation psychology psychologists, for example, or a tool for school psychologists um, for, for when a student might acquire a, a, a diagnosis or a label, making sure that we're also intent like being intentional about talking about disability identity like maybe maybe we reach a point where there's a where there's a screener tool to be to, to be able to assess where an individual is at with their disability identity and have that inform you know um, a social support group for thinking about for for um, students in schools for example um, and so I see it I see it more potentially impacting 
um, like more tangible policies, if you will. Um, I, I don't know that I see it, that I see implications at a, at a broader kind of like state or federal policy level other than, than centering those voices. Yeah, that makes sense. And in, uh, identity is also a personal thing. So it makes more sense to do it on perhaps a more local level. And also, do you think that teachers could benefit from learning about disability identity in their classrooms as well? Absolutely. So I think I think that's another area where where we could see some some really exciting work in terms of like you know maybe maybe there's a there's a parallel curriculum where we're talking about disability identity and the disability rights movements. I know that there's there have been a couple states that have adopted a um, a little bit of disability related um, uh, work in their in their curric in their state level curriculums, um, but but I think it it's pretty few and far between. Um, and so I know for myself as a person with a disability, I never learned about, you know, disabled people or the disability rights movement in school. That was, that was the homework I did outside of school as I, as I met, you know, disabled leaders and, and individuals from the community. And, and then, and then that's how I learned more about, more about that history and, and so forth. So I think that there could be some implications for sure um, on, on a curriculum level. And, and I absolutely believe that teachers and school administrators, um, you know, the more that we can, the, the more that we can normalize having conversations about disability, then that's one way that we, that we're breaking down that stereotype. So another thing that I talk with, with particularly like school principals and, and folks about all the time is, you know, if you walk through your, your school library, for example, um, or the walls of your school, are there posters representing different different disabilities and abilities of of the people that are on the walls of, on um, of the books that are in that library, like and so because that's one way that that you know for kids you're going to grow up realizing oh I can I can grow up and be someone and that and that I'm represented in those books as well or on those you know posters on the walls or or the guest speakers that come in to to speak to schools or do assembly programs as well. Yeah, that's really great. And do you think that by having these conversations in the future, we can help make it more normalized and reduce the stigma for people with disabilities and students to make it better for the next generation? That's certainly my goal. That's why I do all this work. <laughs> that's awesome. So Brad, I've got a question for you. How have you seen disability identity play out in your own life? And I know that you've also done some research with college students. Yeah, so in my own life, um, disability identity was something I didn't really even like think about too much until I got to college myself, because you're right, in high schools and in uh, elementary schools, there's no like teaching about disability identity or things like that. And I was often the only student with a visible disability in my classroom sure there were others with learning disabilities but often that wasn't public either because there was often bullying around that too so i was often the only one and i had to kind of learn on my own and then when i got to college i live in this residence hall with other people with disabilities so it's the first time i've been around like 10 to 15 people with other disabilities and we talked a lot and we I learned a lot about what disability identity is and things like that. And it really helped me grow and like take a different view on disability and it's been really meaningful. And so I did a project um, to talk about how 
living with others with disabilities on a college campus impacts mental health. And in part of the survey that I did, students talked about how being connected to each other helped them feel more confident in their like identity and helped them to take more risks to achieve what they wanted because they felt like they had a support system. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So follow-up question. What was it like when you first got to the to that dorm and that living community? Like, what, what, was there a sense of being overwhelmed at first? Like, because you just said you started off as one of the only ones with a with a visible disability in your school, and then you suddenly are in a dorm with ten or fifteen other other disabled individuals. So, how was that initial part? The initial part was um, it was very different for me. Like, I was like, there were things that I could talk about with these people that I didn't talk to anyone else besides my family and mm -hmm. it was like very cool to like talk to my suite mate and talk to other people down the hall about basic things like if my wheelchair broke or if something happened related to my disability that was difficult I could talk to them and it wasn't weird because we all had similar struggles and experiences and also with the resource part there were lots of programs and resources that I got to take advantage of that I didn't know existed before people shared those resources with me and I think it would be cool to help share those resources to um, other families and also kids that are younger than I am so they can access these resources before they get to the point where they're in college. And I think it's also important to tell people that you can go to college as someone with a disability because oftentimes schools don't put that emphasis for students in special ed and things like that. So mm -hmm. it is possible and there are lots of us that do it but just advertising that more is something that I'm really interested in too. Totally, totally. I love that. I love that. That's so important. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing in this space as well. Thank you too. I really appreciate your time sharing this. And is there anything else you would like to add before we go? Um, I think one other thing that I, that I didn't mention, um, it, which is that I firmly believe that, and I, and I did say that if you, if you think you have a disability that like, I want to, I want you to be included in, in a lot of the studies that I, that I have a question that I've gotten, um, that I think is important is if somebody's nonverbal, could they, would they also have a disability identity? And, and I believe, yes. Um, I believe that a disability identity is, is how it is that you're, that you're experiencing and embodying and, and, and interacting with your own disability and how that identity is expressed might look different for different individuals. You know, might be using a communication board, might be, um, might be you know, communicating through smiles or excitement or, um, you know, uh, like a excitement once you are around other people with disabilities or at disability mm. community events and things like that. And so I think it's, it's, I think it's important to, to, to note that, that while a lot of the work that I'm doing right now, simply because it's, been, it's an understudied phenomenon, is focused on, you know, being able to respond to, um, to measures or to sit down and do an interview, things like that. I am still trying to think very, very much holistically across the the the, the very diverse um, disability community that we have um, to to make sure that we're thinking as inclusively as possible in terms of how that identity might be expressed um, across our beautiful community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's super great. And I always appreciate your commitment to including everyone in your research because if someone didn't have a disability, they might not think about including all these different types of people with disabilities and a lot of people 
um, don't realize that mental health conditions and things like that are part of the disability community. So doing the work that you're doing and sharing that all these different um, people are part of this community would help people to get connected to because a lot of people don't even know that they can access this community exactly. and these resources. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Promise of Discovery. Be sure to visit the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center website at vkc.vumc.org to learn more about today's episode. And tune in next time for more on the innovative research and intellectual and developmental disabilities from the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center.